This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Hey, it's a Saturday morning. Let's get you up and going for the day, get you moving. It's hard today, a little bit cooler, kind of dreary. Don't worry, it'll warm up. Sun will be out here shortly before you know it. Should be in like the mid-60s, low-70s, whatever it's going to be today. Welcoming. Great to have you along for the ride today on a Saturday morning, getting you going for the day. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we also have our Facebook live stream going on, which you can go at facebook.com slash 1480kqam as well and leave a comment, watch the video feed there of the show. Candace Talk, as always, every single weekend brought to you by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue for all your buying, selling, and trading of gold and silver with honesty and integrity. And by the way, one of the few places in the entire region, not just the state of Kansas, but the entire region that actually has silver in stock with such a high, crazy demand for it right now. So make sure to go and check them out. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, also on their website at Phil's Coins. Com. We've got a lot to get to today. Boy, there's a lot of stuff going on in Kansas as they are, uh, I believe they're officially on their recess now in the state legislature. So we'll touch on some of that a little bit today. Don't have any legislators on today as we were going to try and get some, but a lot of them were still up there working on budgetary issues. So not a lot uh, there yet, but we'll have a few of them on next week kind of recap what's going on. So there's a lot to talk about from the statewide level. I want to get your thoughts on the medical marijuana move to next year. So a lot of people bummed about that. We'll get into some of those issues and more. Hour number two, it's going to be the hour of senators as we have Senator Jerry Moran and Senator Roger Marshall. Both of them will be on the program next hour. So stay tuned in for that. That'll be a fun one. But for right now, we haven't done this in a while. It's that time again. Haven't gotten to play that sounder in a bit. Century even, County, yeah. yeah. I don't even know how I got that song. How's that song tied into me? It was the only one I could find that said the word county in it. <laughs> That's about it. Cedric County Commissioner well, I'm Jim glad Howell. To be here. Thanks for having me. It's again, always Andy. good to yeah. have you. Yeah, we we try to get a county update from you uh, every once in a while, at least once a month or so, to get an update. And now things have been changing relatively rapidly, and I think there's some confusion in the. Uh, here's my personal belief. I think there's there's confusion in the community because we've been getting differing opinions about what's actually law as opposed to what people want the law to be. We hear sure. right after some of the mask mandates and social distancing dropped at the statewide level, and then you guys ended up allowing that to continue to happen at the county level. Then you hear the city like, well, we're going to find a way to do it ourselves at the city level. So there's confusion all over the place because there's ones that still want things to happen that aren't actually happening. And I don't think anybody knows what's really going on here. Well, I understand the confusion, but uh, it's pretty simple, really. If you live in Sedgwick County, there is no government mandate. Now, there is one really minor exception to that, I think, and that is within the schools, there is some, there are some schools that are still trying to establish, if you will, um, a, government, a government mandate for their, for their own school system. Wichita schools have, has done this. I think all the other schools around Sedgwick County have done this. Randwick School District, which is I think out west, um, they actually have they've actually exempted themselves from this, mm-hmm. so it can be done. But um, it is interesting. I, li- I live in Derby, and I know, I know Derby did a, uh, a a kind of an opinion poll amongst the parents and, and their staff, and there was a, a strong majority of parents that did not want to have a mask mandate in their schools. Sure, but the staff had a very strong uh, agreement that they wanted to continue the mask mandate. So 
anyway, for whatever it's worth, um, the schools generally are still following a mask mandate, um, but they are relaxing some of the policies around that. So for example, maybe the younger, the youngest children in their school system are, are getting some exemptions. They've kind of uh, lifted some of the gathering limits. Um, they're, they're actually recognizing social distancing if they're outdoors and that type of thing. So there is some relaxing going on within the schools, but again, the classroom in-person learning is still is still kind of is, is where it was before. And I think that uh, there is some confusion regarding, you know, what does the government say about this? Is there some kind of outside right. uh, policy that's causing this to happen? And all I can tell you is the, the idea of infectious diseases in the schools, there is, you know, there's policy that's actually unrelated to COVID specifically that says when someone comes into a school system, they have infectious disease, they can do things to mitigate that. And so based on that, those, those statutes and that authority of the law, they, they use that to, um, to apply to COVID, not because of the executive orders, not because of the emergency management um, acts of the state of Kansas or because the county government has said to do this. They're doing this because of, uh, of existing laws. And there are challenges out there. As you probably know, Richard Ranzaw, uh, former county commissioner of Sedgwick County, did a, a fine job actually defending kind of a, a freedom position in front of the v- Valley Center School District last week. And they came back and uh, they decided to basically con- you know, continue status quo. They did make very, very minor adjustments on a couple of, a couple of these you know, really almost, some of the points that really don't matter so much. But the basic part of this is, you know, should the students in high school, if you're 15 years old, should, be, should you be re- required to wear a mask in class? And uh, they said, yes, you must do that. So mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of parents right now that are taking their kids out of school because of this. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that the, the big date I would, I would want to look at right now would be September the 20th of 2021. All the way that's, to September. Well, the reason I say that is because that's the date that they want those kids in school. Because no. that's, that's where they get their funding form, formula. If these parents are, are, you know, if they put their, between now and the end of the year, there's really no change in funding for these schools. If your kids are in school or they're not in school, so they're the, just going to do what they want to. Yeah, the school's going to do whatever they want to. But next year, they're definitely going to want to have your kids in school on September the twentieth. That's, that's the day they count the kids. Gotcha. And that that drives into the entire formula. And I just talked to uh, Representative Blake Carpenter last night. The I guess I, I, I've not validated this number yet, but he said that the per student the per student average now in Kansas is is around sixteen thousand dollars per student, based on the budget that's being passed <laughs> this year. So. There's a lot the of last time I remember about two years ago, three years ago, it was like eleven or twelve thousand dollars. Now it's up to sixteen. It's, Good golly! I, yeah, I think it was around thirteen and a half uh, when I was in, but it has gone up significantly because it, again, you know, Kansas Supreme Court's got involved in this uh, finance, school finance, and they've pumped in more enormous amounts of money into the school system in the last few wow. years. And so now we're now we're talking we're kissing sixteen thousand dollars per student per year on average. Not. I know the devil's advocate would say, well, hold on. That's not all for instruction. That's including the buses and, you know, class cafeterias and janitors and, you know, all kinds of things. Okay, fine. It's still $16,000 per student. Uh, right. You could go to a private school for like eight or nine or 10 it, grand. It, it all depends on where yeah. you're going. But I think there are options. But of course, because in Kansas, we don't let the money follow the student. Then, of course, that's just additional cost to parents. But that could be changing. It could be changing. That could We're, be changing. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think that bill moved forward yesterday. Back on masks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, so there is a caveat there for schools. which gets a little bit more dicey for the school system. And I think the, the general you know, premise for schools is if, if, uh, if two students are near each other and one's wearing a mask, 
or excuse me, they're both wearing masks, and one student ultimately is found to have COVID-19, they get tested positive, that the other student doesn't need to quarantine because they mm-hmm. both wore masks. But if they're, if they're not wearing masks and that same situation happens, it forces a quarantine uh, of the other students. And so that's kind of how it's been interpreted in the schools right now. I'll just say this. Um, you know, I hate to use the word moderate. Most things I don't like to be the moderate, but I, you know, I do see there's people over on one side saying, you know, COVID-19 has, has never been a thing. It's just, a, it's a hoax. It's a conspiracy theory. It's government, it's government trying to control us. I would tell you, I don't think that my personal opinion is, I don't, I don't agree with that, that kind of a, that, that viewpoint. I do think that COVID-19 is a serious matter. There has been more death associated with this. We, we actually did overwhelm, we did overwhelm our hospitals last November they were overwhelmed, and that was unfortunate. And so this is not like the flu. There, this is different than the flu. But there's the other, other side of the other side says, let's go hide in the basement. Let's not go out. Let's not do anything. Let's not live our lives. Right. And if I do go out, then everybody's put, everybody has to be regulated and controlled by the government. Otherwise, my, my life's in danger. And so there's these two extreme views. And I take this middle position, the, the moderate. I hate to be the moderate. <laughs> the moderate side here. Man, I do, please don't well, quote me. I don't want to be the moderate. But well, the moderate it's, a, is- it's a common sense position, which, you know, I think you and I are in agreement there, is that, yes, it's a thing. We be we do our precautions. We take common sense approaches. You know, you don't go and sneeze on somebody right in their face anymore. Right. You know, I, exactly. I don't like masks. I've tried not to wear a mask, and I don't go to places that really do the mask. So I haven't gone to a lot of places over the last year a whole lot unless I actually needed to. And now with the mask mandates being lifted, I'll go to places that don't enforce a mask because – I still believe what Dr. Fauci said all the way a year ago where he said masks aren't going to do anything because you still rub your face, you still have it on, it still can get through the mask, it can still get through your eyes. So it literally doesn't do a whole lot for you. So I kind of take that approach to it. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go up and start spitting all over somebody when I start talking to them. I'm not going to go and sneeze open out in the air and just walk right on by or anything. I mean, you use the common sense approach of washing your hands, of keeping some distance. And if someone is on the older end or if someone is an autoimmune compromise and you take precautions around them, obviously, but walking around scared to death to walk out of your door, to wear the mask all the time, and then to run out and just get this vaccine that you don't know much about. I, I, I'm the fan that I'm just not going to do that stuff. I understand that. You know what? And I think the, the important thing here, Andy, is that we in government have really shown our cards right now. And I think you can see two kinds of politicians or two kinds of elected leaders, those that trust their people that they serve mm-hmm. and those that don't. Yeah, well, exactly. And the reality exactly. is, I, again, I trust you to make an informed, educated decision. You understand what's going on. And I think you have the right and responsibility to make a decision for yourself. And I, although I might not agree with you on my, on my personal opinion, I can respect you and just trust the fact that you know what you're doing. Yeah. It's not my job to control you. And that's the difference between different kinds of politicians. And I'll just say, uh, may I say, people on the far left want to control people. People on the far yeah. right want their freedom, and they want to be free from government control. And I understand, I understand, uh, the arguments, the middle position, which again, I, I, I say, if you want to wear a mask, do it. Then do it. If yeah. you want to get the vaccine, then do it. Now, you might not agree with me, on Andy, but I hope you respect me in this. Sure. Okay? Oh, yeah. I have the shot. I've, I've gotten the shot. Sure. It's my choice. Right. I'm not worried about it. I know there's people on this show that are listening right now that say, oh, Hal's crazy. He got the shot. <laughs> Don't do what Hal did. Don't do that. Yeah. But you know what? I feel comfortable with the shot, but I made an informed, educated decision for myself. Right. Now, here's the deal. If you make a different decision and then you get the virus and you suffer consequences, 
I know that you made an informed, educated decision. That's on you, and you dude. You can suffer the consequences of your decision. Exactly. I might even feel sorry for you, but you know what? I I have no reason to judge you and condemn you and criticize you because I trust you. That's the beauty of the free market, you, uh, you know, private enterprise where we get to make those decisions. We got to take a break here, but I I want to focus on that because now. I love this. Businesses, not the government, but the business, individual business can choose whether they want to enforce a mask mandate, whether they want to enforce some type of capacity limit on their own business, whether they want to tell their customers what to do when they come in or they don't. And now as a customer as well, we get to make that choice on which business we want to support or go and, and buy and purchase products based on what their decisions are. And then we get to live our life how we want to do so, as you mentioned, with our informed decisions. We'll do that when we come back. we got a call on the line as well. We'll take you when we come back to it. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. we got a lot to get to. We'll talk about the masks. We'll talk about the vaccines. We'll talk about the latest from the county as we move forward into 2021 with some of the craziness that has been over the last year. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Hey, Welcome back into Kansas Talk. 22 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. This song really brings back some memories there. The 90s, baby, trying to bring them back. I have to, like, take a sidetrack just for a second here. On the way down this morning and over the last couple of days, my little one, Little Voice of Reason, six years old, I start playing some of this type of music. Jim, I tell you, I was not aware of how many of the songs I grew up with as a kid where I'm like, oh, I remember that when I was like 10 years old and I had the album and it was the greatest thing in the world. And I play it and my little one now, she's like, oh, that's from Shrek. Oh, that's from the Minions. Oh, that's from this. I'm like, no, they're not from the cartoons. They're amazing songs that I grew up with with the albums. What are you doing here? But now she's like, oh, that's from Shrek. I was playing uh, Smash Mouth All Star. And she's like, oh, that's from Shrek. That's hilarious. It is, but no, no, no. That's not what it's from. Drive me nuts. Welcome back into Kansas Talk. Guess what? Dad's kind of cool sometimes. Yeah, see, Dad's cool. Like, I knew that song before it was on Shrek. Yeah. See, what's up? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Let's go to the phones. We have a couple calls on the line. Let's go to that line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am just fine. And also say good morning, Jim Howe. He's one of the... More common and common sense voices in our county. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. This week. Okay. I go into a quick trip. There, no masks are required. No one's wearing a mask. The employees are not wearing a mask. I go across the street to a Walmart. They're wearing masks, and they're also counting people going in and out. Mm. Then you go out to Goddard, where there's a big Walmart out there. And although the employees are wearing masks, they're not, uh, uh, customers do not have to wear a mask. So how is a person with common sense, or how do you explain this to a young child, all of the craziness that's going on, and it's like walk across the street and it's a totally different world. You go out west, it's a totally different world. That's been the frustrating and it, part. Like, uh, and that's that's why I wanted to have Jim on the show today because it's been so frustrating with, uh, you're right, I mean, some businesses, now some businesses are doing it on their own and saying we know that the mask mandates are lifted. We're doing it as a company policy for our store to walk into, in which that's when I say, okay, thanks, but I'm just going to go somewhere else because I don't want to wear a mask. But a lot of them are still thinking that there are policies in place that the government's telling them they have to do so. And there's so much confusion out there that, I mean, just to be clear, Jim, that we, right now there is no government mandate within Sedgwick County for mask mandates. You do not have to do that as opposed uh, by the government's mandates. That is correct. Now, there, 
under the law, um, again, he also mentioned, I think he said Garden City. Is that what he said? Um, if you go to other counties, other counties may have done something different. But here in Sedgwick County, yeah. there is no mask mandate because the county government uh, has never has not passed a health mandate. And we... Um, there's not a statewide one And the either. state one got, was, over, was overridden by the LCC. So as a consequence, there is nothing from the county or the state... Cities could theoretically pass a mask mandate for their city, but as far as I know, no city in Sedgwick County has done so. So from the government's perspective in Sedgwick County, there is no health order and there's no mask mandate. There's no, there's no gathering limits. Now, having said that, if you've, if you've already burned your mask, you may be in trouble <laughs> because if you want to go buy a two-by-four at the lumber yard way northeast Wichita, you may, have to, you may have to put the mask back on to walk in their store because they're exercising what we call personal property rights. Right. And by the way, I love the, 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 the uh, connection, the, the, the principled connection to the Second Amendment. Yes. Because I, I, I am, and Andy and I are both on this Kansas State Rifle Association Board of Directors. We know that the, uh, the Second Amendment is rooted in the principles of uh, personal responsibility, and we respect the, the other principle, the other constitutional principle of, of, of private property rights. So the way I, the way I would uh, try to describe this is if you want to come onto my property, I, I set the rules on my property. Yep. You can't come onto my property and tell me what you're going to do on my property. No, it's my rules on my property. In fact, I, I can extend my, my rules over to my employees and to my customers and to my visitors. And it's my property. I, I can tell you what happens on my property. So these businesses, frankly, are exercising their private property rights, not because the government's telling them they must do it. Some of them, unfortunately... I knew this was going to happen, and I didn't vote for this, by the way. But some of these companies are saying, well, the county has a strong recommendation. And therefore, <laughs> we, we really kind of need to do, you know, we have to continue this because the county has a strong recommendation. Mm. I knew that would be interpreted that way. But the reality is I do respect private property rights. If they want to do this because they make a choice to do it, then cool. they need to own it. Right. And I, and I should respect them not to violate their personal choice on their property. So if I want to visit these businesses, then I should follow their rules while I'm on their property. And by the way, if I don't do that, they could ask me to leave. And if I don't leave, they could actually charge me with trespassing. They could have a police officer come out and arrest me for trespassing, sure. just like the Second Amendment. So I, I respect private property rights and the right to make their own rules. But you, do, you can vote with your feet. You don't have to go to these places. And uh, by the way, they loved it when the county made the rule. Because it made them say, well, we didn't do it. That's the government's doing it. We yeah, had no exactly. choice. It was their... They, we're just doing what they tell us we have to do. But now they have to stand up and they have to own their own policy. And a lot of these businesses are frustrated because they were like, well, when the government did it for us and we actually agreed with it, we didn't have to say that. Yeah. Our customers came in and we just enforced the government order. But now that it's on us, their customers actually, a lot of them agree with the mask mandate. Some of them don't agree with the mask mandate. And now they're in the middle of a, of a, of a, of a if you will, a debate on their own property yeah. amongst their own customers and they don't like it. And so a lot of these places, although maybe, again, on, on, what I'm seeing right now, some of these businesses have a, a policy for their employees. Their employees have to wear masks, and they're, they're allowing the customers to do what the customers want to do because they don't want to lose business over this. Yep. And then when someone complains about not wearing masks, then I guess they'll just have to try to explain it to them somehow. But, you know, these businesses, it's my, my, you know, people call politicians weasels because they don't have spines. They don't want to stand up and make a policy and stand by what their policy is. Yeah. Um, I would tell you that if you want to have a policy, then stand by your policy, whatever that is. But don't, but don't, hide don't somebody, push it yeah. off on someone else. Yeah. Own it. If you're going to do it, then own it. That's all. I agree. It's a it's crazy world out there, Frederick.
Okay, take care. Oh, by the way, I want to give a huge thank you to the county for having uh, uh, the vaccination clinic. My next-door neighbor, I talked to her yesterday, and she said she, uh, she had both of her shots at the library, and it was quick in and out. So anyway, a huge thank you to the county for that. Thank Love you, Frederick. For it. Very good. Well, hey, I appreciate the phone call very much, my friend. Always good, and have a wonderful weekend there. Uh, we got to take a bottom-of-the-hour break, but that, I'm glad it clears up so that way we can make our own decisions business-wise and consumer-wise where we're going to go and what we're going to do, at least here in Sedgwick County. When we come back, I want to touch on the vaccines, vaccine clinic, how that's going, the push on the vaccines. And you had mentioned the schools. There are a couple of schools that made the news this week regarding Valley Center with the mask policies there. Campus High School doing vaccinations and prom tickets and the push for young individuals to get the vaccines in the community. We'll talk about all that and more coming up next. Second half hour of hour number one of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk. 35 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always great to have you along on a Saturday trying to get you up, get you moving for the day. We got a lot to get to today. Hour number two is again our hour of senators. We have both Senator Jerry Moran and Senator Roger Marshall. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. Plus, I want to talk about some of the hot topical issues in Topeka, some hot topical issues here in Wichita. And right now we're hanging out with Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell. And as we talk about the the mask mandates, the COVID vaccines, it's been a crazy change and people are trying to adapt and figure out what's going on. Then at the same time, you have the city trying to implement their own because Mayor Brandon Whipple wants to do his thing. So there's all that. Where are we and where do we go from here? Uh, We had talked about the masks. Let's get into the vaccine. And this has been a hot topic, hot discussion. Obviously, the the uh, as we just had with the caller, that the vaccine clinics are going well. Um, do we, from what I've heard, the appointments have kind of dropped a little bit. We now have a lot of openings available for people, correct? As we actually, yes, we do. We, In fact, I would tell you, it's a little bit frustrating to, uh, I guess, to the government people that we have... We, we set up all this opportunity, all these resources. <laughs> we fought to get to phase five. We over, opened this up to everybody. And the vaccines are, we have, we have appointments are set up there and no one shows up. No one's showing up now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you know, there are hundreds every single day. And the, what we actually have seen, the Johnson & Johnson has actually had a very good response. And th- most of those appointments do get filled. But the Pfizer appointments from the county, we're not doing Moderna so much from the county this, uh, anymore. Um, but the Pfizer appointments where every single day we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of appointments unfilled. Yeah. From what I've heard from Dr. Menz and from other health officials was that they want a herd immunity of close to like 80% of the population to get the vaccine. I don't see that happening right now. We're just under 50% and everybody that was in the vulnerable age groups pretty much had it, uh, which gets into the discussion. That's been my frustration is now we getting into the 20 year old, 30 year olds, 40 year olds that are, you know, that they want to get the vaccine that are not getting the vaccine because we don't need the vaccine. But yet now there's a big campaign push to try and force them to get the vaccine. What's the latest from I mean, I've heard the campaign of like, oh, we're going to start targeting the younger adults to get the vaccine out there because they're the college ones going out to the nightclubs and to the bars and they're going to be spreading it around. But they have the strong immune systems. They don't need a vaccine to fight it off because it's going to be 99 percent asymptomatic anyways for them. 
So let me let me qualify my comments and say I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so I do I do think that the uh, the medical establishment has I'll use the word they they pivoted recently on this issue. Uh, for a while there, they they kind of discounted the the immunity that comes from viral infection. They didn't say that it was uh, something you could really trust going forward. You might get the you might get COVID nineteen a second time, and there does appear to be some people who do get it a second time. Although I don't think it's a serious, uh, you know, a, it's not a case that causes someone to end up in the hospital. Sure, it might be that you test positive and you have very minor symptoms, and there may be some reasons also why you can you can also explain maybe we know some reasons why that might happen. Or may, really may not be a second viral infection. So there are we, we, there's not good science on this right now, but I would just say that um, if you look at the people who are going into the hospitals that are suffering from this um, and that are that are dying from this, they're not the younger folks unless they've got some other significant, very significant exactly. health concerns. In the state of Kansas, I just looked this up with you because I let, I knew this question was going to come up. I wanted to uh, to point out that. Um, in the state of Kansas, we've had one death uh, between the ages of zero and t- zero and ten, and uh, in the state, in the state of Kansas, yeah, out of nearly three million people, we had we've had zero deaths from, actually, that was zero to nine. We've had zero deaths from ten to seventeen. And by the way, the, so the one that died, we don't know, we don't know if they were zero or nine. We don't know how old they were. They, the, the state doesn't disclose their exact age. Right. And then if you get get up to the ages of uh, eighteen to twenty four, we had ten deaths uh, again statewide. Now they don't tell us the the, the pre-existing conditions that these people had, the, the comorbidities that they had, and we also don't know necessarily that they died, died died of COVID. We just know they died with COVID. They had COVID when they so passed away. So it could have yes. been someone had cancer and then they had COVID as well, and we just don't know because they're not there's not good data out there. But I think that the young the younger generation they they kind of you know they've kind of judged the risks as all people do, and a lot of these folks have said you know what I don't think it's all that bad for people my age and yeah. you know again people die every day of all kinds of things but in terms of my risk from covid as you know my age range and my and my good health right i'm just not that concerned about this and so a lot of them just aren't getting the shot and uh, if you look at the demographics i actually have death i have death demographic data for sedgwick county specifically i'll just say this that uh, from the ages of zero through age 49 most of them that actually died at age 35 and above but again the county doesn't break it down that much but i can i have data to prove my point here We've had 22 deaths in Sedgwick County, about 520,000 people. Our our death rate amongst people of that age range is somewhere between four and, and six uh, six thousandths of one percent. It's a very small number. <laughs> and if you're less than age 35, it's a much lower than that. Okay, it's it it is. So why do you think they're pushing for the young ones to get the vaccine? I mean, well, now we see like campus high school that's saying, oh, we're going to give you free tickets to the prom. As a high schooler, if you get the COVID nineteen vaccine, why? Are, I mean, to me, that upsets me because their immune yeah. system is strong, their immune system is great. They don't need it, and as you mentioned, with a one six thousandth percent of the population within that age group that's actually actually being affected badly by the virus, there should be no conversation of really anyone under the age of forty that's actually needing it unless they have a health condition and they want to go out and get it on their own. But we don't need to be doing campaigns pushing 20-year-olds to go get this vaccine. Well, uh, that's a really good question, and I don't really have a good answer for you. I, I, you know, I can speculate. I, I think that the medical establishment is, is uh, very um, confident that their shot is, is good, and they don't, they don't look at this as a high risk. And uh, they would rather someone not even get coronavirus and get even you know, acute minor symptoms. They would rather just avoid the entire sickness entirely. 
And again, even if someone does get the virus today, even though they may not suffer personally, maybe they are asymptomatic, they can carry the virus to other people. Here's my, one of the other things that we haven't talked about yet though is because the vaccines are available and we have so many unfilled appointments, let me just say we have crossed a threshold as a community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last July, we didn't have vaccine, vaccine options. Last July, you couldn't get an N95 mask. And so to the extent that the government tried to essentially create rules for society to protect vulnerable people, vulnerable people all around us, you can kind of understand maybe their motive maybe was, was uh, defensible at that point. But today, we can buy N95 masks. You can uh, filter 95% of the air. Everybody can do that. Everybody can get the vaccine now unless you're age 15 and below. And I can tell you, on, on, you know, statistically, age 15 and below has virtually such close number to close to zero risk. Yeah. It's really not worth talking about. Um, the reality is we, the threshold we've crossed as a community is that everyone who wants to protect themselves has options to protect themselves. It doesn't require other people to protect me. And that's the point that I think has been missed by lots of politicians and, and people who are pushing these policies is we want to, I think what we should do is educate people and then trust people to make an informed decision for themselves. Right. If they want to get the shot, then fine, go get the shot. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a fine idea. But if they don't want to get the shot because they're healthy and young and they get, you know, it may, at some point they might even actually get the uh, infection and they get, they get antibodies naturally, that's not a bad way to, to do this. In fact, in fact, I would tell you that that antibodies might, from what I'm reading, those antibodies are maybe even better than the shot itself. So, um, you know, it, it is controversial. I don't know why they're pushing it on younger, younger people. Um, I do think it's their idea that they just want to vaccinate everybody. Yeah. And, you know, there, right now there's, there's trials on people all the way down to age six months right now. Again, that's coming next. At some point, that's going to get approved, and we're going to start, in, you know, trying to push vaccines on, on, on young children. And uh, it's just, it, you know, is it necessary medically? I, I obviously don't think it is. But I think that for, for people who are, you know, just in love with the vaccines, in love with uh, uh, medical science, they, they, they think it's safe right. and they think it's good. They're going to push their, their narrative forward. Sure. But we as, we as parents and we as free citizens, I guess we ought to make the decision for ourselves, in my opinion. I, again, I, I'm an advocate for the shot. If you're, not, if you're listening to the show today, uh, I, I have no problem with the shot. I, sure. I took the shot personally. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. I, I, I respect you and trust you. But, but you know, yeah, I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm, our choice. I'll be 58 yeah. years old this year, and I'm a little bit overweight. And you know what? I, I've got some, some things that says I'm not in the best demographic, and so maybe I should get the shot. Sure. For me, it's probably better to, for, for me to get the shot. Sure. Someone who's 22 years old. And by the way, something is happening nationally right now. People are going back towards freedom everywhere. It, They're having they a are. baseball game today, I understand. 7,000 people in the stands, so, you know, up to 7,000 people. Movie theaters are beginning to, to, beginning to do their thing. And they're still pushing this narrative of everyone must wear a mask, no, no matter if you have antibodies, you have, a, a, you know, if you've had the shot. Um, they're, they're pushing the narrative that masks are required. And what you're seeing is lots of people, in, especially in, in uh, these large celebratory gatherings like the Super Bowl and uh, the, in, you know, the, uh, the, the, final, the final game at the NCAA, all, you know, they're saying, well, it's going to be a super spreader. Well, Maybe we'll see an uptick in cases, but what you're not seeing is an uptick in hospitalizations. Right, and that needs to be. You've got to look at this together. The cases may go may go up because people are still getting the vac, they're still getting the virus, they're still spreading it around. Yeah, but the people who are getting this are people who are less vulnerable. Uh, the people who are the most vulnerable largely have been vaccinated or have already gotten through this somehow. Yeah, and um, so 
that's, you know, that's the focus I've, I've wanted to have is the, the hospitalizations and the death rate. Uh, to me, and I think we've hit that threshold to where the case numbers to me uh, don't matter much anymore because and I, I didn't like the, the case numbers anyways because they were so inaccurate. People could be asymptomatic and had it, right. and we didn't even know they had it. And, you know, people that just went and got tested for the sake of it got tested positive. They didn't even know they had it. They were asymptomatic or they had the flu and they tested negative. So it's case numbers to me, I'm just like, eh, whatever. But you're right. It's the hospitalizations. And the deaths, if we're hitting the vulnerable communities that do have a weakened immune system, a little bit older, whatever the case is, that's what we need to be concerned about. How do we protect that age group, that uh, that demographic, to where they don't get affected by the virus? The rest of them, if it's a 20-year-old that just got tested positive because, you know, he was out and about partying and he's asymptomatic, I don't care about that case number. Exactly. You know, and, and by the way, hospital, just be clear, the hospital data actually has improved every single week. And to the point now, there's been some commissioners are saying, let's take it off the dashboard. And I, I don't want that to happen. I want that to stay on the dashboard because that helps me make, you know, good arguments for good policy. We need to see the data because with, you know, absent that, then people don't know what's going on. And then it becomes, you know, we don't have the data point. I think we have to keep the data point on the dashboard, but the, but the hospitalization data is very encouraging. The data continues to get better and better and better, even though we're becoming a freer and freer and freer people. So this idea that, you know, if you just take a step forward and, you know, embrace a little bit more freedom, you know, the naysayers out there are going to say, oh, but you're going to have a resurgence. It's going to get bad. Guess what? It's not getting worse. We got through Easter. Here we are a week after Easter, and I've seen no uptick in the data whatsoever. A couple weeks ago, by the way, there was a, uh, I'll just say this, Wichita Eagle. I know they do the very best job they can, but uh, their reporter is continuing to use data from KDHE rather than county data. One of the problems is the KDHE data includes presumptive positive cases. No. And so their data is much different than ours. And they said that they said the other day, two weeks ago, they said, well, 50% of the new hospitalizations are in Sedgwick County. Well, but not really. It's not true. Our data improved that week. Maybe, maybe the rest of the state improved more than we did. So again, the narrative is that we have a, a problem because of the way they presented the data. The data actually does matter. Let me give you one more, one more thing to really reflect on. We continue to hear every single day in the media. Everyone says the positivity rate is, and you know, it's, right. and you've heard recently, oh, it has a small uptick. It went up a little bit percent. <laughs> it was 2.3%. Now it's 3.2%. Oh my God, this is going to be, you know, it's a bad situation. Here's the reality. Lockdown again. Yeah. Get this. The reason that the, the rate went down is because the denominator in the calculation, in other words, the number of people being tested actually dropped. It's not because the numerator got bigger. Right. So the quotient actually is bigger because of the denominator. In other words, people who don't have COVID drove the number up. That makes sense? Yeah, and these are all the manipulations, which is why no exactly. one trusts the, the government right now. No one trusts the data. No one trusts when they say wear the mask or get the vaccination or get the vaccination and still social distance and wear a mask. And that's why no one's trusting any of this stuff is because the numbers coming out of the KDHE are completely manipulated. The stuff from the CDC coming out is completely false and manipulated. And then when the numbers go down and the, 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 the population size of the tested number shrinks, but yet they say the positivity rate goes up. We see that stuff, and we see through it, and we just don't trust anything that's coming out to us right now. I, if I have just a minute, I would love to uh, explain. You know, my colleagues get frustrated with me. They'll say, you never vote for anything. You, you've never voted for a mask mandate. You never voted for a stay-at-home order. You never voted for a health order. You, you're just always a no. And I didn't vote for the recommendations of Cedric County either. Sure. Here's the reason why. These, these policies continue to be much more regulatory than is warranted. Even the recommendations that they stuck out there. Let me just say this. The recommendations, if they would have just said, if they would have said this, 
Number one, we, we embrace this idea of personal responsibility and personal freedom. And if you have antibodies from viral infection or from vaccine, you don't need to wear a mask. Sure. Okay. And if you are under the age of 16, you don't need to wear a mask. And if you're socially distancing from other people, you don't need to wear a mask. And if you're outdoors where the wind is blowing, you don't need to wear a mask. Everybody else, we suggest you wear a mask. Yeah. Okay. Take precautions yourself. But we're not going to tell, you know, but we also trust our citizens to understand the risks and mitigate those risks with all the tools that they have in their own toolbox. It doesn't require regulating other people to create safety for ourselves. Yeah. No one can actually hurt anybody at this point. Everybody has the, the freedom to protect themselves to whatever, whatever degree they want to. And so the, the, this principle of personal responsibility and personal freedom has been completely missed by politicians and by these people pushing these policies. And uh, that's the problem. You know, I understand it, it is a risk. Please take it, take it seriously. I expect you, everyone to make a good decision. And we need to trust the people rather than trying to parent the people. Yeah, what a crazy concept. I love it. Uh, got to come. I want to shift gears a little bit here because we got about five minutes before we have to wrap up the hour here. Uh, but someone said, man, we're uh, hearing about COVID all the time. It's draining and it's exhausting. It is. So let's talk about some other stuff from the county as well, okay. what you guys are working on outside of just the masks and vaccinations. But uh, right now, what is the big focus? Are we working on budgetary issues now that we're going into the springtime? I saw some construction projects popping up around the area. I mean, what are you guys focusing on right now? Oh, but there's, there's, that's a huge question. There's a lot going on. We're gonna, the next step in our budget process is we're going to do uh, budget um, hearings with all of our 40 plus, 45 agencies all come before the county commission over a number of days and they present their spending, their spending needs their, and their uh, appropriation requests. And we then hear all those, we get to ask lots of questions and we, we work on developing the budget further. Then by the time we get, by the time we get to August, we're going to have to actually pass the budget uh, right around the middle of August. That happens every year, and just for the record, we have to have a balanced budget. Unlike the government, unlike the federal government, we actually have to act, actually have tax revenue that and other revenues that funds the budget. So it is a very difficult process. You may have heard the other day that uh, the sheriff's uh, sheriff's department was down ninety six or ninety eight positions in the detention center in the det- detention facility. And uh, he said it's crisis. We we actually have to absolutely do something because the the uh, detention facility is is in crisis mode. And so, county commissioners, I'd say, very quickly came together and we we, we took two million dollars, two two point one million dollars uh, out of uh, money we had in the budget that was available, and we and we put it towards this towards this problem. So we may have solved one problem, but we have attrition rates elsewhere in the county. And our tax revenues are being challenged, obviously, with COVID going on. Uh, we are seeing some reductions in revenue. So it's going to be a very tough year. Uh, I will say also in 2021, which is our current fiscal year, we didn't give any raises to any of our, any of our employees. We actually had some furloughs mm-hmm. because of COVID. And so next year, um, we, we're, going to have to, we're going to have to fix some of that because it's an actual, that's turning back into a higher attrition that we would, than we would like. And it's more expensive to to re, to, uh, to recruit and then retrain replacement staff. We don't want to go through that process. And so we, it's, it's, it's a lot of chess pieces to figure out how to make this continue to work. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a lot of issues in the County. I'm, I'm concerned personally about some public safety issues that I'm working on personally. Um, it seems like every commissioner has things they're focused on. I know there's, there's continues to be lots of discussion about, about mental health. I'd like to make the argument personally that mental health has been drastically harmed by COVID in our, in our policies. Oh, it's made it way worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. suicide rates are up. 
Um, and mental health is much, much worse this year because of, because of COVID. Domestic violence is up. Uh, criminal, uh, d- d- uh, person, you know, person crimes, you know, domestic violence, those things are way up. And so uh, the jail has right now more murders in, being housed in, in Sedgwick County Jail than we've ever had in the history of Sedgwick County. It's just there's a lot of, go- there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. The courts are backlogged they're, they're because they, they weren't having jury trials for a long time. Now the courts are way backlogged. And so there's going to be additional cost to get caught up on that. And on it goes. There are some good projects. The North Junction, now the next two phases, I understand, of the North Junction, I believe, have, have funding. That's, that's the area up north where I-135 and 235 and uh, two, I guess 254 will come together up there in the north part of the city. Every single day there's clogged, it's clogged up traffic. and There's almost accidents almost every single day. Mm. That's getting a lot of attention from the feds. Um, of course, there's transportation promises, you know, from the state and from federal government. We're looking at lots of money potentially coming into Central County. We're trying to find ways to, to uh, argue for our fair share. If, if they're going to provide these these funding opportunities for, for different municipalities across this country, we're going to be uh, asking for our, our our equal share of that money. So there's a lot of things we can do here. Um, uh, legislatively, we've, we've been very, very busy on legislation here in Topeka. We've actually passed a lot of laws this year. Uh, you guys have been pretty involved up there this we year. We have been very involved. In fact, I would say Sedgwick County may be the best, very best county. And then out of the 105 counties of our state, we've we've actually passed more laws uh, as a county. You know, we and, and, you know, endorsed them. We've actually written laws and got them through the process to the governor's desk and became actually became law. We usually hit you know three four three or four a year. And um, other counties, I don't, I don't think, come anywhere, anywhere near that. So, very proud of Sedgwick County for that. Um, you know, there's been a lot of debate right now about appraised values. That's been in the news recently about the county just got through their appraised their their, their appraisals. Uh, people's properties just came out, and that is always controversial. And there's been a lot of uh, discussion about. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, had a comment oh, on there. Uh, Stop raising property taxes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> please understand. I know people. I love that comment, but people need to understand. There's actually two parts to this. You want your property to increase in value. Everybody wants that. Yeah. Because it's it's appreciated in value. Sure. What you don't want is more taxes. Right. I get that. But the taxes comes because of politicians pass a bigger budget, and it's unwarranted a bigger budget. So the question is, what's a what's a reasonable budget that doesn't actually add unnecessary burden to the taxpayers? Um, if your property goes up in value, but everybody else's property goes up at the same rate, then your then your share of that burden is exactly the same percentage. The question is, is the government asking for more, for more money? Right. And if we are, then you should engage that as well, because it's not just about your value it's about your value relevant to everybody else's value well and right now with the such a lack of opportunity for housing which we've talked to some realtors as well we're going to have someone next week too talking about just the lack of real estate i mean that raises property value up too because there's less to choose from because they're all taken so there's a supply demand thing going on too yeah we we actually understand we're like one of the top five cities in the entire nation right now for with the housing shortage right and there's just there's just like there's they call it a you know number of days of supplies the way the realtors talk about this. It's down to like a few, like a week. Right. <laughs> There's just not a lot of houses out there for sale. Yep. And uh, and when they do go and when they do hit the market, they sell very very quickly. You know, two years ago, I could drive down my own street and I could see you know six or eight yard you know real estate signs in the different yards. Not now. Not they're now. All, they're all gone. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I like it. Central County Commissioner Jim Howell. We're just about out of time here, but uh, final words over the next month or so. It's good to see spring. Good to see some construction. I guess back at it. Although that uh, you know ties some stuff up. People get frustrated with some of that, but we're improving and we're still growing in the county. And and slowly but surely we can get things back to normal. Hopefully. Well, I certainly hope so. You know, I think that uh, our goal is to get through this and get through this the rest of the way. 
And by, by this midsummer and certainly by this next fall, I certainly hope this is completely normal in every way. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice. I like it. Jim Howell, Central County Commissioner. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate I always it. Love, love, I love your show. Appreciate all you do. Hey, always appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again here real soon. We'll get another update from Cedric County here in another couple of weeks. It is for hour number one, hour two. It's the hour of Senators. We have Jerry Moran, Roger Marshall, both on the show today. We'll do that when we come back right around the corner. Also, your phone calls that will be open up to you right here on Candace Talk. You're on the Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It's our number two of Kansas Talk. Welcome into it right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQAM. It's a Saturday. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks again to Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner, coming on the program. Always a great chat with him. We appreciate it. One of the few reasonable guys on the County Commission right now trying to bring some common sense there it's a battle it's an ongoing struggle and an ongoing battle and he's one of the last few fighters on there so we appreciate him very much as we continue to try and do the right thing in our community taxes budget covid whatever else deregulation yeah good stuff hey welcome in 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK we covered a lot of ground last hour we're going to cover a lot of ground at this hour as well as we have uh, a couple interviews we'll get to in just a second there are some issues that i want to touch on this hour too that you're more than welcome to call on as well between i don't know if you saw the stories there were two headlines out of schools in the community uh over this week one of them was of course up in valley center where there some parents challenged the mask mandate now remember we just talked to Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell. The rule is within Sedgwick County, there are no mask mandates or social distancing limits at the government level within the county. It is all now based on local individual businesses and shops that choose to do what they want to do. Freedom at its best, baby. And we just confirmed it with the county commission. No mask mandate from the government. Now, other counties may be doing something different, but it's now on the business. If the business, to, which uh, if you're a small local mom and pop shop business here in the community, I highly encourage you, please don't do a mask mandate. Please don't do it. You have been suffering enough over the last year trying to keep your doors open during this whole COVID pandemic. And now you want people to come into your store. And if you limit it based on saying, no, you have to wear a mask, then I'm afraid that there's going to be a lot of people that just walk right out the door because they don't want to wear the mask any longer, especially the younger crowds, because there's no need to do so because their immune system's fine. They're not going to get it. It's just not whatever. You don't need to do it. So I highly encourage any small local mom and pop shop business. You have the right to do so, but I highly encourage you not to do so because that's going to harm your business. And I don't want to see that any longer. We've suffered enough over this last year. So we have that. But now it goes down to the bigger discussion of the school districts, where the county itself may not be mandating any masks, but the school district itself can do so on a on a district-by-district district level. So the big discussion this week was Valley Center High School, or Valley Center Schools, uh, still mandating masks. 
and some parents challenged that. Now, according to SB 40, the law that the governor signed that ended the mask mandate statewide says that if someone tries to challenge a mask mandate policy within a government level or a school district or city level or county level or whatever, they have to have a hearing within 72 hours, which they did last week on Thursday, a couple of days ago. And they talked about it and they discussed it and they voted to continue the mask mandates. Now, we can agree or disagree on how those. I think that's a really dumb idea. We're still trying to distance at six feet for the children, which is unnecessary because the latest study shows that you still have zero difference of transferring the virus between a two foot radius for children and a six foot radius for children. At the same time, their children don't do anything with the virus anyways. They may spread other things as they wipe their snot on each other, but they don't spread the virus. So I think it's a ridiculous thing, kind of silly, but that's what they choose to do. The other big discussion was Campus High School, with that news that came out just a day or so ago, saying that they're going to give free tickets to the prom for any high school student that gets the vaccination. And I want to cover that in a little bit as well, because that when I saw that, my blood was boiling and I was infuriated by hearing something like that. So we'll talk about that and get your thoughts on it here in just a little bit at 316-721-8255. But first, we have some interviews. We recorded them uh, throughout this week. They're not live, but we did sit down with uh, it's the Hour of Senators, U.S. Senator Jerry Moran and U.S. Senator Roger Marshall. Now, here's my disclaimer. The interview with Senator Jerry Moran was not an interview that I did myself. And I've said this on the radio before. And granted, I have been a little tough on the guy a lot over the last few years based on some policy decisions and politics that uh, on votes that he has done and stances that he has taken. I have been very critical of Jerry Moran, but I would still love to chat with Senator Jerry Moran. But in the seven years that I have been on the radio in the Wichita Airwaves here at KQAM Radio, in seven years, I have not gotten Senator Jerry Moran to come on the program with me one time, not one time has he come on the show with me in the seven years that I've been on the airwaves here. And that's a little frustrating to me. We've interviewed Senator Roger Marshall two or three times now in the three months that he's been a U.S. senator. And he's come on the program with any time he does a media round. I mean, the first time we interviewed him back in February when he first got in there, he was just coming off an interview with Sean Hannity. And he came on my national program with me during the week on The Voice of Reason, and he chatted with me there, and we played it here on this program as well. Like, he, he's wonderful. He's great. I love having Senator Roger Marshall up there. He's rocking it. He's killing it. We appreciate what he's doing. And he gives us the time of day. And, I mean, again, came off of a Sean Hannity interview to come on The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Not quite the same level yet, but it will be someday. Jerry Moran has not come on the program with me in seven years, and it's a little frustrating. So... Andy, how are you playing an interview with Jerry Moran? Here's how we're playing an interview with Jerry Moran. He did sit down with our program director and morning show host out at our sister station, KIUL, in Garden City. And it was about a 10-minute interview as they sat down and chatted. So we're going to play that interview because if he's not going to come on the program with me, then I'll play the interview that we have with our sister station. And KIUL, our station out in Garden City, Kansas, they got to sit down with Senator Jerry Moran uh, just a few days ago to talk about Amtrak, to talk about some of the other issues, HR1 that's going on in Washington, D.C., and other things as well. So this is KIUL's interview with our morning show host out in KIUL in Garden City with U.S. Senator Jerry Moran. So with Amtrak. Obviously, last year they had said before the year that they were on track to break even, be at a break even point for the first time in a long time. They have struggled 
including the the COVID year over the past three years, lost a billion dollars over the past three years, roughly. Are you comfortable that they have gotten their house in order, that they will be at a break-even point? Well, I'm pleased to say that they believe they will be. That's mm-hmm. a step in the right direction. And But I would point out that I mean, this is a this is a difficult business, and it's difficult to make money. My point to Amtrak, well, I got interested in the Southwest Chief, obviously, because there's Kansans who care about it. But this started several years ago when Amtrak uh, had committed to make uh, a part of a grant. That's the communities of, in Kansas, as well as the state, uh, as well as New Mexico and Colorado, put in money to improve the track uh, along this line to get faster speeds and to improve the service. And Amtrak had committed for their contribution, and they failed to live up to that. And that caused a meeting for two senators from Colorado, two senators from Kansas, and two senators from New Mexico to meet with the president of Amtrak to say, my goal was to say, live up to your word. And um, in that conversation, in which we didn't get any commitment to live up to his word, uh, we learned that they were contemplating replacing service from a point in Kansas to a point in New Mexico with bus service. Okay. As if that would uh, satisfy the traveling public who use Amtrak and stabilize uh, the passenger service. Mm -hmm. And you you add a bus service, I think you just eliminate the Southwest Chief from Chicago to to Los Angeles. So it started along along, a long path. It wasn't where I intended to to go, but it first started with live up to what you said Mm -hmm. you were going to do, and then it became, well, that's a crazy idea. And then uh, we've engaged during COVID trying to make sure that um, that service returns because they made this, the statement that they were going to reduce, eliminate the service during COVID. But then I was worried that was just code language for, well, we'll never, we were going to do what we want to do, which mm-hmm. is shut this down. And we've been successful uh, in, a, in accomplishing that, the goal of that not happening. Okay. And so are they on a better financial track? We'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, ridership matters. Mm-hmm. But it's like the post office. I've had this conversation with the postmaster general. The solution to improving your revenues can't be simply diminishing the service. You keep diminishing the opportunity for people to travel, the times in which they travel, the service that you provide, exactly whether right. the depot is open and has an agent, uh, the number of, of routes that you run. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate outcome of that is it goes out of business because people don't find yeah. the service satisfactory. The other thing I would say is I'm there for rural Kansas, rural America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, there's a focus on the East Coast. There's a focus on the, uh, along the uh, Atlantic Ocean in which uh, Amtrak service with lar- large numbers of passengers is supported. Uh, Amtrak is designed to provide rail service for the whole country. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to move on to the, the airport, the, the regional airport. I've talked to Matt Allen. I, I've talked to Roy Cessna about, about this. I had Roy in earlier um, Talk about just the importance of this expansion for Southwest Kansas. Well, air service matters, and I think generally Kansans, our citizens uh, of a community, often think the airport is a tool, uh, mm-hmm. a play toy for those who are uh, uh, can afford a plane. Yeah, planes are very important, and therefore air, airports are very important to communities in Kansas. I'm thought of as the general aviation senator in Washington D.C., and that's in large part, I think, because people know we manufacture lots of planes. In fact, most of them mm. uh, in Kansas. But there's another reason, in addition to the manufacturing and the jobs that airplane manufacturing uh, provides Kansans, another reason to support uh, general aviation and airports is if you're a leader in a community and you want your community to grow, 
you need to have a manufacturing base. And there are there are manufacturers who employ hundreds of people in small towns across mm-hmm. Kansas, and their ability to connect with the rest of the world, the ability of the owner of that plant, the manager of that plant, to bring in customers and to get service out and to get in parts is determined by that airport. So if you have a manufacturer in Finney County that de- depends upon air service for retaining their business and we lose that air service, commercial or private, then that business is going to begin to think about where can I move. And that generally means we're going to concentrate more manufacturers, more businesses, more jobs mm-hmm. in the cities. And so those airports help us keep jobs. In addition to the number of physicians, specialists that fly in here, emergency mm-hmm. air ambulance service. And, of course, uh, in southwest Kansas, uh, Garden City has worked really hard to get uh, commercial service uh, in in and out of Garden City that allows uh, people to see their grandkids and allows, uh, again, the doctors to come and uh, people to connect with the rest of the world. My parents are flying in to the airport on Tuesday to see their grandkids for the first time since they moved down here. So. Uh, assuming you like your parents, that's a really good thing. And, and, and welcome, welcome to Garden City. And, and again, it's, uh, I guess I used the right example. You, you did. You did. Gar- gar- uh, grandkids. Uh, so you've been very vocal about HR one for the People Act. Extremely vocal. Um, why? What? What? What is in the bill specifically that that makes you so opposed to it? Well, I mean, just broadly, mm-hmm. I, I believe that elections, in fact, the Constitution delegates to uh, the, the states the organization, organization and conduction, conducting elections. Yes. And that, so that's the premise to begin with. What does the Constitution say? And the, the responsibility for conducting elections rests with the states of the United States. There is a power grab underway. Uh, people who dislike outcomes of elections always want to change the election laws. Uh, And I want elections certainly to be fair. I want everybody who's entitled, legally entitled to vote, to be able to vote. Uh, But I trust uh, our county election officers and state officials, our secretary of state in Topeka and your county clerk in Finney County uh, and the counties across Kansas to be uh, understanding of what's necessary in their community. Washington, D.C., in so many instances, will nationalize, will have one-size-fits-all solutions to problems. And elections are so important. Uh, the validity of the election, the sanctity of the election. We will be in, I mean, we have a serious problem now with uh, understanding the outcome of an election and whether there was fraud. And it diminishes the democracy, it diminishes the people's faith in government. And again, I want to follow the Constitution. And secondly, I want to make certain that something so important isn't a national standard. Mm-hmm. It is a, a local option. Not, that's not the right way of saying it. It's a local opportunity for us to do elections right. I've been to lots of courthouses, lots of county commission yes. offices, lots of county clerk's offices, and I see them hard at work trying to make sure that they do their jobs well. Last thing, then I'll let you go, as I know you have a busy day today. Uh, I'd like to kind of wrap up on immigration. Um, what's happening right now at the border, I think everyone can agree, is a humanitarian crisis of epic proportion that has been going on, went on for the Trump administration, went on for the Obama administration prior to that. What needs to happen to fix this humanitarian crisis of epic proportions? Well, I mean, we need to take care of, you know, particularly children who are in a circumstance uh, not of their own making. But I would say that the, the, a root problem here certainly is what go, is going on in other countries and people fleeing from that. But we've had an administration, the Biden administration, different than the Trump administration, signaled that people would be welcome. Uh, And so we sent a message that caused people to go down a a road of hardship and potential tragedy when we need to make it clear that, yes, 
we, we are welcoming, but we're welcoming to people who come here in a legal process. And I would say the, the signal that was sent by this administration has increased the problem. Again, you mentioned it's been around a long time, but it, it is exacerbated by signals sent, come here and you mm. can stay. Uh, and so the sec that, that's part of it. So the signal sent needs the, the signal that we're sending needs to be changed. The other part is that this capture and release, in which the consequence of coming here illegally is that you're captured and you're given a court date, nine months, uh, a year and a half down the road, and you're ordered to show up in court. When in most circumstances that does not result in anybody doing anything except escaping to someplace else in the United States. Uh, and never returning for the day of, of, of court. So uh, we have to increase our capabilities. And again, as we, th th there are things I want to do in immigration law we desperately need in Southwest Kansas is a good example, agricultural workers. Yes. We have a number of people in our communities in Kansas and here in Southwest Kansas who are DACA uh, recipients, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we ought to try to work to solve those things. Unfortunately, in Washington, D.C., uh, this, the, the, the answer is always, well, I want to do all of this. My point, and if we're not going to do all of this, we're going to do nothing. My point is let's figure out what we can do and work together to get bits and pieces, important bits and pieces, uh, addressed. But I would say it does still revolve around border integrity. Uh, we often talk about better border security. We talk about border walls, a combination of things that keep people who are not entitled to be here out of the United States, mm -hmm. and I would say this is sometimes thought of as a worker issue, but in my mind, the security issue at the border is a security issue. Yes. It's about keeping terrorists out of the country, but it's also keeping drug cartels, drugs, crime mm -hmm. uh, out of the United States, and we need to enhance the, the services that we have to do that. All right, that was U.S. Senator Jerry Moran on our sister station out at KIUL in Garden City, Kansas. A couple of issues talking about Western Kansas and Finney County and that sort of thing. But we played that interview because we want to get his thoughts on some of these issues going on in Washington, D.C. and what's going on here in the state of Kansas. And again, uh, we had to play that interview because just he hasn't come on my program to be able to talk about that. And now, granted, I have not reached out to him in a while, so I guess that's on my part as well. But I kind of gave up after seven years of trying to get him on the program. So there is that. Uh, so that was that interview and interesting things to talk about, which we'll get to here in just a minute. Open line to you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We'll take a break. We'll get your phone calls. We'll talk about some of that and more right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. It's a Saturday. Thanks for joining us today. Trying to get you up and moving the way we do every single weekend. Just a reminder for you, if you have not listened throughout the week, our show, the national show, The Voice of Reason, broadcasting all over this right here, the flagship of KQAM. We are now live at 4 p.m. right after Dave Ramsey going into Joe Pags Live. We have live programming on KQAM now, 6 a.m. to midnight every single day. That's kind of awesome. You can always tune in with all of our great programming. You can call all of these shows as most of them take phone calls, and it's great. And, uh, yeah, make sure to stay tuned in for us at 4 p.m. weekdays right here on KQAM for the Voice of Reason. With that, let's go to the phones. What do you say? 316-721-8255, line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, buongiorno, Andy. It's what's, John. John, what's going on, sir? How are you? Hey, man, I decided this morning I wasn't woke enough. Mm, okay. So I came over here to my 
I came over here to McDonald's and got me some coffee. Now I'm wide awoke. Ah, see, you are wide awoke now, feeling good, ready to go for the day. Yeah, I got to go get me some beer now. So <clears throat> for uh, when I listen to Joe Pag, but uh, mm, that's a good anyway, idea. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so what pearls of wisdom do you seek for me today? I, you know, there are many issues uh, uh, abound, but you know. I, I have to ask about, you know, whatever, whatever's on your mind, sir. You are you are the guru of the day. We need to figure out why everyone's still wearing masks while they're riding bikes outside. Uh, that's a good question. Why are they wearing them inside of a vehicle with the windows rolled up, more <laughs> importantly? <laughs> Probably because hey. they had bad chili the night prior and they don't want to smell that driving to work. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. You okay. felt chili all day long. Hey, uh... uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, obviously, you know, I'm opposed to masks, but I do think women should wear burkas. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. there's yeah. that one. There was that one. Sean, I got to take a break. We got a hard break at the bottom of the hour here. I appreciate the phone call, my friend. There you go. The words of wisdom from Sean for the day. Appreciate that very much. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on the high school, the campus high school vaccinating high schoolers to get free tickets to the prom. Good idea, bad idea on that one. Plus, we'll talk with Senator Roger Marshall, who actually did sit down with me here on the show just a couple days ago, and we'll play that interview. Why? Because, you know, he wanted to talk to me because he likes me. That makes me feel better. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right, it's Kansas Talk. Welcome back into the program right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM, a Saturday morning, all presented here by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They have been open for about an hour now. They're open until 2.30 this afternoon, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. One of the, uh, literally, one of the last few places in the entire region that actually has some silver on hand available for you. And their shipments are like a two-month delay right now. That's how crazy that market is with so many people trying to buy it up. So if you want some, go get some and do it right now. 9344 West Central Avenue. Also online at philscoins.com. Proud partner here on KQAM and Candace Talk. And we appreciate them very much. We'll get another update from Phil Martinez here in just a couple of weeks at the end of the month. Can you believe we are midway through April already? This is crazy. Boggles my mind. Coming up right around the corner, we have uh, the Joe Pag Show, the weekend live in about a half hour here on KQAM. Make sure to stay tuned in for that, as always. Uh, but open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. It's been a big week in the state legislature as uh, they have a Kansas election law that is sitting on Governor Laura, desk, uh, Governor Laura Kelly's desk now on uh, trying to limit the amount of, and what their concern is, is the it, it, people going knocking on your door? Hey, did you do a mail-in ballot? We'll take it to the to the mailing box for you. Hey, did you vote uh, by absentee by mail-in ballot? We'll we'll go ahead and just collect that for you, and then we'll take it and deliver it for you. Don't worry about it. Then we will handle it all. And that ballot harvesting is a major issue across the nation that it does, I think, will lead to some concerns about election fraud. So the state legislature trying to limit the amount of ballots that you can take for you and your family and your neighbors and take them to 
the polling places or to the drop boxes, and that's sitting on Governor Laura Kelly's desk now. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if it's gonna if she's gonna veto it. My guess would be she's gonna veto. Democrats don't like anything where you actually have to do it yourself because if you do that yourself, then there's less ways for them to control the situation. So the left side of the aisle probably not too keen on that. Not to mention they're really trying to drive home the whole HR one thing at the federal level, nationalizing elections which is unconstitutional, but one of the most dumbest things that you could possibly do as well. Hey, let's just centralize everything at the government. They're swell. They got it going on. They keep things efficient. They keep things running well. That's a beautiful way to handle systems, right? Yeah, yeah. See how well that actually works out for you. So as we go into the recess next week, we're going to have a couple legislators on the program kind of recap a lot of the discussions that happened up there because I have to admit – I've been pretty impressed with the state legislature this year. For most years, we are pulling out our hair. We are actually being driven nuts with what's going on up there because there's such a Republican dominance, but there were so many moderate Republicans, quote-unquote, up there that wouldn't allow us to do anything. And then even with the Republican governor that we used to have with Governor Sam Brownback, we still would not be able to drive home any type of legislation. It would be back and forth. We'd just kind of bang our head against the wall and would get nothing done. This year... We have a supermajority of Republicans in the House of Representatives and in the Senate as well, but we have more conservatives to actually get most of them to get on board with major pieces of legislation to really scare Governor Laura Kelly into realizing that she either needs to sign things or look like a fool when we override her veto, which we can do on many occasions. The transgender bill did end up going through. The tax bill still ended up going through. We'll see what happens with that one. I'm really happy. I'm really, i got to be honest, really impressed with the whole school choice bill that went through this year. Uh, or is it being hung up right now? I think it got hung up, but it may go through. The fact that it went as far as it did makes me very happy. Andy, what's the school choice bill? They really wanted to say, all right, you're sitting aside 5.2, 5.3, whatever it was, billion dollars in the state of Kansas for uh, public education. We're going to put that back as a voucher-ish or a savings account for parents to choose on what school they want to take their kids to, and they can spend it on the public education system. They can put it to a charter school. They can put it to a private school. They can do it to homeschool. You can choose where you want to send your kid for their education, and Democrats are losing their mind. How dare you take that money from the public education system? And what it's going to do is it's going to allow the kids to get the best opportunity that they can in their area, in their vicinity, and they can take their kids to the best schools around there. But that means that the schools are going to have to hold a pretty high, a pretty high bar of standards and quality for them to want to go to the school, not to be forced to go to that school, but to want to go to that school. But it's about the education system and it's about the funding and we need the funding to open and operate. And get, you're right. So make sure to have good quality to where people are going to want to spend their money. It's kind of like the private sector, which I know, crazy thought, of having a private sector where you as a consumer get to choose where you're going to spend your money. You have massive amounts of your taxpayer money going into the state government where 60% of it is actually going towards the, public, the, the education system, and we're just throwing money at it, throwing money at it, throwing money at it. They have record high savings accounts right now at the school district levels. All of them, their reserve funds, their emergency funds, they have record amounts of money sitting there while they complain they don't have any money. They can't give the teachers any raises. They can't get any new equipment. They can build new buildings, but they can't get any new equipment, and they don't have enough money for the teachers. It just goes on and on, and yet we still complain about the quality of what's actually coming out. 
Now, some of that goes to the home front as well and the responsibility of the parents, obviously. But at the same time, if you get to choose where you're going to send your kid, you're going to send them to the best school in the area that you can possibly send them to. And if you have that money sitting in a, a school savings account, in an education fund savings account for your child, you're going to do the what's right for your children, right? It's just the common sense thing to do. And the schools are going to have to adapt. Just like universities, if you don't have as many students enrolled in the university, you don't get the same amount of money coming into the school. Oh. And that usually means at the same time that you might actually have to close a department or downsize an apartment. Oh. Instead of just raising tuition rates from students because, well, we didn't have any as many students enrolled, so our classes are small, so we just need to like raise your tuition rates so this professors can get the same amount of money and we can keep all the multi-million dollar complexes that we have. Doesn't make any sense, but that's the way government works and the public sector works, as opposed to the private sector where if you don't have the money coming in, then you downsize or you shut your doors. It's a very simple concept, and that's the way that we need to operate at that level as well. Let's get your thoughts. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, this is Mark. Mark, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing good. Good. Um, man, there's so many things I comment on. I kind of had a little difference of opinion uh, with you whenever I heard about the free tickets uh, to attend Derby Prom. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a horrible thing. Uh, the more people we can get vaccinated, uh, the better off we're going to be, I believe. But, you know, and, and I heard the money is coming from private individuals that are donating, just trying to encourage a younger generation to get vaccinated. So it's a good concept. I just that, let me let me let me play devil's advocate for just a minute because I I I, I just want to understand it um, because I just uh, to me I don't understand why do we want to vaccinate high schoolers as well if they have a strong immune system and don't need a vaccine. That's my that's big my concern. I mean, yeah, inc- incentivizing them to to do something good and, and giving them a free ticket. I'm all for. I love that idea, but the whole point of a vaccine is to try and build up immune systems to fight a virus if they get it. But if we don't have any cases of that age group having any issues because they they're obviously young and with strong immune systems why are we telling them to get a vaccine instead of just letting their body do it naturally that's that's personally my big concern on why we're pushing this okay that's that's a good that's a great point um you know the left is going to try to keep driving this agenda and mandate things uh the mask use it's gonna you know they're gonna try they're talking about the fourth epidemic wave now uh you know how the you know how the media is going to play this out i'm just thinking the higher percentage of uh our populace that we could get vaccinated i think i think the best will will be viewed the best so well you're right uh, i mean you're right in that sense there's a lot of people out there that i've talked to that they have no intention of getting vaccinated sure so, you know, and that's freedom of choice. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So. No, you're right. I mean, it, it is going to make government's job easier because they don't want to open things up fully until they get that, quote unquote, herd immunity. We've heard the, the Sedgwick County Health Department even say they want vaccination rates at around 80 percent of the population for that herd immunity. And right now we're sitting around 40 percent and we have appointments open for the vaccine with no one going in there anymore because the, the at risk demographic, the higher aged individuals, the ones with the uh, compromised immune systems, they've gotten the virus uh, vaccine, so they're good. The younger generation, I mean, I'm 30, 32, I, I, I'm not going to get it. I don't want to get it. I don't need to get it because my immune system's strong. I do things naturally. I take vitamins. I exercise. I, I try to. 
you know, be healthy. And I'm at a young age group to where if I get it, I have a 99% chance of it being asymptomatic. So I don't care if I get it because it's not that big of a deal. Most young kids feel the same way, which means to me, we're still going to hit a herd immunity that way. If I'm asymptomatic and I get the virus, I have the auto, I have the antibodies in my body to fight it off naturally. I don't need a vaccine to do that. But the health department, for some reason, is really just pushing the young kids to get it that I have a big concern about. Because you're right, we should open up with herd immunity. They just see it as though we're not going to hit that herd immunity unless we get the vaccine. And that's the only way to hit herd immunity. And that's just not correct. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree there, too. So, so you know, best, best thing I can say is uh, thank God for Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, amen uh, to that. You know, that, that term never gets it never gets called out by the media anymore, but you know what? Uh, what our president did uh, saved literally millions of lives, and I think that goes unnoticed by a lot. Yeah, the media doesn't report that when the first, when the pandemic first hit, they said two million people in the first year were going to die, and by the time Trump left office a year later, five hundred thousand people died. So, does that mean that Trump saved one and a half million people? It's hard. It's hard to say. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think the left would ever admit to that. Oh, of so, course not. Of course know. not. Yeah. yeah, I love it, Mark. I appreciate the phone call, my friend. Have a great weekend, and I appreciate the conversation because it's it's a great one to have. Uh, and you're right. I mean, that's the, the freedom. If you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. Cool. Do your thing, man. If you don't, cool too. My concern is pushing a vaccine, an unnecessary vaccine, to inject more stuff into a body of a young kid when they don't need it. Um, incentivizing them to do the right thing for prom, that's cool. But to to in, encourage them to inject something into them that they don't need because we have zero cases of that age group being affected by COVID, why are we doing that and why is the school district there? That's my concern. That's my concern with it. Agree, disagree with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's go back to it. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hello, this is Dave. Dave, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Good. Hey, uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, I don't understand why uh, the schools would have to require vaccination from anybody, and that goes to anything. Mm. I know they require that for, like, measles, et cetera, but if somebody chooses not to get vaccinated, what's the big worry? Yeah. Because everybody at school that wants to be vaccinated is and can't catch it. And they're protected. Yeah, that's, that's the ongoing yeah. debate, and that's why – it, again, frustrates me when we hear about mandates of the vaccine or the mandates of the mask. Look, if I don't want to get vaccinated and you are vaccinated, you're protected. That's the whole point of the vaccine is that you have exactly. the antibodies, you can fight it, you're good. If I get it, that's my own damn fault because I chose not to do the vaccine, but that's my exactly. choice and that's why I wanted to do. Yep. I, I completely agree. Um, and a another thing, uh, I've done some work in the past. Um, I'm in marketing and done some some work with Americans for Prosperity. Yeah. And a couple of things that they um, point out in some of the advertisements I've worked on, which makes a lot of sense, is they show how throwing money at the schools, as it stands now, does not improve uh, you know, the outcome for the students. And it's pretty appalling when you see the statistics of what kids are getting in education today. So to throw more money at it without getting results is pretty ridiculous. Isn't that the, isn't that the policy of the Democrats? When something's wrong, we should uh, should create a new yep. department from the government and throw money, just throw the money at it and just right. think it's magically right. going to fix itself. I mean, three years ago, I've, I've been doing the radio here for like seven years in Wichita. I remember three years ago, we had Kansas Policy Institute and Americans for Prosperity on the air. And at that time, 
the cost per head of student in the public school system was around eleven to twelve thousand dollars, and we were talking about it because it was breaking the record. It had never been twelve thousand dollars per student to go into the public education system. We just talked to Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner, last hour, where he said that right now the cost has gone up to $16,000 per student in the public education system. Now, Dave, let me ask you, between three years ago and now, has there been any increase in quality of education in the public system lately? I think absolutely zero, if I remember right. Yeah, but we just spent an additional $5,000 additional per student right now. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to just throw more money at it. If they can't provide some results, then uh, I'd even be for cutting it. That's probably wrong, but uh, you have to you have to be able to show some results. We and need I'm to direct all it for the voucher system. Yeah. Gosh, the voucher system is so right. Um, but I know the teachers' union is way against it, mm-hmm. of course, because it's 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 not going to benefit them. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's my two cents worth. Hey, well, I, I completely agree, Dave. And you're right. We need directed financing. Uh, Christy Williams, state rep, she's the head of the education committee in the House of Representatives. We're going to get try and get her on next week because I want to talk about her uh, because we are. Uh, the fact that we're starting the conversation about the school choice and the voucher program is an amazing step because it's gotten farther than it ever has in the state of Kansas. And if we're going to spend money in the education system, it needs to be directed. You can't say, here's school district, here's $5 million additional but they're spending it on buying right. 10 new buses as opposed to actually getting better books and increasing the pay for teachers that actually deserve it to increase the quality in the classroom. I mean, you can't just stash it away to your emergency fund and be like, huh, we ran out of cash again. We need some more money. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be for increase, increasing the spending if we got a voucher system Yep. because a voucher system would just promote better schools everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Amen to that. The, the schools that didn't perform would die. Yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. And that's, competition. And that's how it ought to be. The competition. Yep. If you go to a store and you try to buy their product and their product's junk, then you're not going to go back there and buy it again. You're going to spend your money elsewhere and invest it into a business that actually cares about their product. I got to take a break, Dave. I appreciate the call very much, my friend. Completely agree with you. Have a great weekend, and we appreciate the phone call very much. We'll take a break. Wrap up the show today on a Saturday here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. So, again, she reminds me back to the growing up, the songs that I grew up with, the songs that I had the albums to. They were awesome. They were cool. I was so hip. The fact that I had these albums, they were the cool thing. And then I turn them on now, and my little girl, hey, that's from Shrek. Hey, that's from Minions. Hey, that's from this movie. I mean, I I guess that makes me feel old. At the same time, I guess I'm kind of cool because... Why the heck not? I was listening to it before the movie even came out. So why the heck not? But it just really, it was kind of an eye opener to me the last couple of days. At the same time, there's the new mu- the new music that's coming out that I know nothing about. And she's like singing along to it in the back and just rocking out and just singing. I'm, I don't know this stuff. So I feel very old on that front too. At the, but at the same time, I'm kind of one of those that listens to kind of a niche music anyways. So anything outside that's really mainstream, I don't listen to mainstream. Anything mainstream, I can't do it. If it's anything with a repetitive hip-hop beat in any way, shape, or form, that includes country songs, that includes contemporary, like, mainstream, whatever, I I can't do it. Can't do it. It's got to have a double bass. It's got to have a heavy guitar. It's got to have some 
growling and screaming and and uh, make you want to punch a hole in a wall. Why? Because just as the adrenaline that I like to have every single day, the energy, the intensity that we bring to the radio program every day comes from based on something like that. But I can go back to the 90s stuff that I grew up as a kid, which every, uh, what made me feel really old, by the way, real quickly, is the fact that in our western stations out in Garden City, we have a station that plays some of that stuff. So they, it's the oldies, contemporary oldies stuff, and they're including 90s music and early 2000s as oldies. That's not okay with me because that was my childhood, and now I feel very old, the fact that that's being played on stations as the oldies rotation. No, 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 that's not the way that things are supposed to be happening, and I just will not accept that. That is not old in any way, shape, or Smash Mouth from the 1990s, Nirvana, which Nirvana's terrible anyways, but that kind of music is not oldies. It's not the way it's supposed to happen. But nonetheless, I can get into it, but don't be playing on the oldies stations, please. Don't make me feel that old. And for the love of God, I mean, Smash Mouth is cool. And yes, that is the theme from Shrek. But come on, man. Come on. It was also from one of the greatest albums of that time where you were not cool unless you had the latest Smash Mouth album. Or uh, I guess, what was I into? I think I was into Backstreet Boys a little bit. I never admitted that on the public airwaves, and I don't know why I just did. But uh, that's cool. I was a kid at that time, and that was a phase that grew out very quickly because, yeah, it, I mean, that was a short phase live, short lived phase. Nonetheless, uh, enjoy your eclectic genre as you will, because apparently it's all oldie stuff now. And the new stuff to me just is garbage unless it's very angry and makes you feel very good because that's the way it's supposed to be. Bring the intensity every day. Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up here right around the corner after the top of the hour news. Until then, I'm back at it on Monday for The Voice Reason at 4 p.m. We'll be back at it Saturday next week again. We'll have some state legislators. We may play the interview with Roger Marshall that we didn't get to today. We'll see if we have some time. Plus, I want to try and get some realtors on to talk about the real estate market and a heck of a lot more next week. Until then, this is Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. Everybody have a wonderful weekend.